Scotty Scheffler, over the last two years, what has he put on? Maybe arguably the greatest display of ball striking golf's ever seen. You know, he's a great iron player. Probably, he's been the best in the world. So you're going to go in there, and you're, so you, you're going to pair him with a guy who on the PGA Tour this year ranks, hold on, I got this written down. I looked it up. 121st in driving accuracy. So every time that he, Sam Burns teed off, put it in the rough, you literally took away Scotty Scheffler's biggest weapon, his ball striking. Like, it makes no sense. None. They were 0-2 at the President's Cup for the same exact reason. Burns can't get off the tee box. He's a terrible driver of the golf ball. And then you go look at the European lineup. It's the exact opposite. Every grouping had a great driver of the golf ball. Tyrrell Hatton, one of the best in the world at hitting fairways. Gets in the place where Rom can hit the next shot. Tommy Fleetwood, one of the best in the world at hitting fairways. Gets it in play so that Rory can hit the next shot. Ludwig Oberg, or Aberg, however you want to pronounce it, who's been, okay. who's been, okay. who, they, who they made it very clear, who's, been, who's only been a pro for four months on TV over and over again. Again, he, he didn't play great, but what's the one thing he does maybe better than anybody? He hits it in the fairway so that Victor Hovland can hit approach shots. Maybe today's the day I break 80. Want the ball to draw, but it keeps on fading. No OB and no bogeys. I gotta keep it on the 80. It's the gold Did you hit it on one? Straight up the gut, baby. Now I got a wedge on my short game cravings. Little bit of edge on the sport makes gravy. So punch out the rough and tune to break 80. Break 80. Welcome to episode 72 of the Break 80 podcast. And I want to start off with this quote from the the great Albert Einstein, who I consider to be a pretty smart guy. His definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And I think this quote finds its way into the Ryder Cup results in more ways than one this week as the Europeans reign in Rome after 16 and a half to 11 and a half victory. And here to give some hot takes from the weekend that was Top 100, Tim, short set and Mike. And I want to start off with, first of all, are you hotted or hot or as heated as I am about what the results happened? Are you guys fired up um, to do the classic, you know, hindsight, armchair quarterback takes? I mean, I've got some ones that I think uh, I, can, I can't wait to share, but I want to start with this for you two guys. I want you to, you can only pick one or the other as we get started here. I think this is a good kind of rev the engine up, kind of get the, the blood boiling a bit. Pick one of these that you think is the most true, okay? Zach Johnson is the worst captain of all time, or Luke Donald is the best European captain of all time? Because most true? I would, I would, I would, I don't think necessarily that Zach Johnson is the worst of all time. Like Tom Watson was epically bad. There were some ones that were really bad. But I do think he's closer to worst of all time than Luke Donald is to best of all time because there's been some really big European ass whoopings with different captains in the past. Um, but yeah, Luke, uh, I I have so much written down about Zach Johnson. I don't I, I don't even know. Actually, I do know exactly where to start. But uh, 
Yeah, I'll go with Zach. Um, here's my, my big take is, look, the players played bad. That's that's the first part, but there's a lot that goes into this with Zach Johnson that we can talk about. And he's from Iowa, which should have disqualified him as being a captain in the first place. <laughs> hold on, hold on. We all, <laughs> first off, we know there's only one primary truth, and that is that taxation is theft. Because this is America, and we're talking about the American team. Second off, I'm I'm with Mike. Right? How much do you need to coach the best professional golfers in the world to hit golf shots? I mean, the golf shots that we saw when we could see them, because we couldn't see much, were atrocious. I mean, it was just bad golf. And they got absolutely lit up by the Europeans. Zach had a little bit to do with that. But I have before we get started, I have a big time hypothetical question for you guys here. Actually, uh, Jeff, you want you get into your answer first. If it's Zach Johnson or well, I just want to be kind of devil's advocate here. So Luke Donald shows up and beats handily the world number one, world number five, world number six, world number seven, world number nine, world number ten, world number twelve. Um, in the list, I mean, Kepka would be farther up if he wasn't in live. I mean, let's just say that it's. As far as stacked teams, this is one of the ones that were supposedly to be pretty stacked. And I know Whistling Straits had, when before Live happened, that was a very, yeah. very solid team. So the Luke, fact Luke Donald didn't make a swing. I know, but 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 like they I, said, they have a lot to what they did by what they basically take away a lot of distractions. They give them little things throughout the week. I mean, I'm just going off the press conference of what the guys say. Yes. I, I 100% agree that Luke Donald did a magical job. Like, he did it fa- one of the best. Fantastic. Um, and I have some stuff we'll talk about here in a little bit, especially with the foursomes, where he where he, he just outclassed Zach Johnson in every way possible with foursome pairings. Uh, I also want to give a little bit of sneaky credit to Eduardo Molinari, Francesco's brother. He was supposedly the guy that did all of the analytics and got everything kind of set up. And it worked out to perfection, pretty much what Eduardo did um, at Marcos Simone. Really, I thought they would just have Eduardo like make the pizza for the week or something. Yeah, but here's a I have a good I have a good hypothetical. Eduardo, I have a good hypothetical question for you. Yeah, do do you guys think that Annika and Tony Finau could have made it past eleven holes against against Victor Hovland? And, yes. and and Ludwig playing with just without their middle clubs because I feel like I know Annika's game and and Tony's game with their drivers out of the weeds more than I actually know a lot of the Ryder Cuppers. I saw that commercial so many times. How about this? Us three get to play just to see if we can try to not lose that bad. We'll get to that. I I we'll get to that match in a sec here in a little bit. There's a there's a method to the madness for some of this shit that oh, happens. So, yeah, there's a lot to discuss. I mean, I, I don't even know where you want to begin. I think what we should probably start with, and I'm sure a lot of your stuff on Zach Johnson will come up through this. I think we just want to lay out a lot of the reasons why we think the USA did not come out to win. And, yes, we have to compliment the Europe side. Let's start with that, just the fact that I think the Europeans were well-prepared. I think the Europeans talk about, you know, their preparation in terms of they all played a tournament together. It sounds like Rory talked about they all – you know, bonded over a, a bonfire. Um, I think they all truly know this is not a facade. I think they truly act and feel as if 
they can make zero points or five points and they don't care as long as they're celebrating at the end. You know, Shane Lowry talked about that. I just think they're less individualistic people. Um, And some of that comes with, you know, the Americans are usually highly ranked. Um, You know, a little bit more of, you know, team guys around these people. They're, they're not the kind of grow up in their homeland and, you know, kind of learn their way around, have to meet people because they're in different countries and things like that. I think uh, there's a lot to that. And I, and I don't know, I just think that uh, they were well-prepared. So I want to make sure that we compliment them. I think, like you said, Luke Donald picked a great team. Um, I think he was smart in picking the young guys because now going into the next ones, he's got two young, three young guys all ready to rock for, for Beth Page and, and further on. Um, So let's, let's make sure that they get the credit. I think we're going to go into some of their players specifically that, were absolutely fun to watch and just kicked ass, Victor being one of them and some others. But uh, let's start with that. We know they played well, but let's think of other reasons why we don't think we pulled away with the win. Right. Well, I'm going I'm I'm to piggyback off your point here. I think the philosophies of the two sides are so different. Where clearly the buddy kind of system was in play for the U.S., and and we'll get to Sam Burns I'll get there in a second, but you know where where the U.S. brings a bunch of guys who are good friends, and then we'll figure it out from there. And I think that I think the Europeans and Luke Donald did the exact opposite. I think they pick guys who can fit into their how they you know fit the golf course and fit their team, and then and then. They they try to develop relationships from there and build on that, you know, over a few weeks leading up to the uh, event. Like John Rahm knew weeks ago, I read this somewhere today, that he was going to go out one round with Nikolai Hoygaard. Like the moment it was picked, they knew they were going to have John Rahm just kind of usher him around the golf course as a young guy. And they had all this stuff set up, even though even though those guys aren't tight, you know, they don't hang out together like the, a lot of the U.S. guys do, but they knew that within a few weeks they can come together and they have that main cause more than the U S guys do. I think, you know, and and we can get to the whole split locker room hat gate and all that in a little bit too. Uh, I just think the, the way they went about it is so different and makes so much more sense for, for what you're trying to accomplish, especially in foursomes, Um, which should we start right off right at the bat with foursomes that foursomes is what is basically the difference. Yeah. Yes. Like the last, uh, I went back and looked. The last ten Ryder Cup winners have won foursomes. They've come away with the most points in foursomes. Uh, and the last five um, of it, the home team almost always wins foursomes. You know, almost always. I don't know if it's the crowd. You know, the, the foursomes is so much tougher than the four ball. And everything. I don't know if it's the big crowds, but the home team almost always wins. So knowing that, you got to go into Europe, not necessarily trying to win the foursomes, just trying to hang in there. Especially when you have talented players who can win in singles and and not just get fucking obliterated like we did right from the beginning. Which um because you're uh we are in the last four Ryder Cups. The last four Ryder Cups in Europe, Europe is 20 and four in foursomes. We're four point. We have we have got four points of twenty four points and foursomes in Europe. It's isn't isn't that how it should be though? If you think well, about the formats as a whole, 
you're you're talking about something that's individualistic, it's independent, sure. you know, you're not completely reliant on the person next to you, which is very American. And then you switch into this socialized version of golf where you're back and forth relying on the other person for everything that you do for the next upcoming shot. I mean, yep. it's it it's at, uh, it's a foreign way of life here. At the at the for our home events, we are sixteen and a half to six and a half. So wow. we win at home here. What I'm saying is you just got to find a way to piece together, make your pairings that you got a chance. And I'm going to start right now. This is where I'm going to start crapping on Zach Johnson because I was, I watched other than drifting in and out of consciousness on a few commercials. I watched literally every minute of the freaking Ryder cup. I was up every night just dying watching commercials basically, but you could hear the snoring from miles, miles away. When that pairing of Scotty Scheffler and Sam Burns got thrown out there as the opening foursomes. I almost shit my pants because this makes absolutely no sense. It makes none. You could not pair Scotty Scheffler almost with a worse player. Think about this. Now, this is where Luke Donald did an excellent job. Foursomes. The entire thing is getting the ball in play off the tee. Scotty Scheffler over the last two years, what has he put on? Maybe arguably the greatest display of ball striking golf's ever seen. You know, he's a great iron player. Probably he's been the best in the world. So you're going to go in there and you're, so you, you're going to pair him with a guy who on the PGA Tour this year ranks, hold on, I got this written down. I looked it up. 121st in driving accuracy. So every time that he, Sam Burns teed off, put it in the rough, you literally took away Scotty Scheffler's biggest weapon, his ball striking. Like, it makes no sense. None. They were 0-2 at the President's Cup for the same exact reason. Burns can't get off the tee box. He's a terrible driver of the golf ball. And then you go look at the European lineup. It's the exact opposite. Every grouping had a great driver of the golf ball. Tyrrell Hatton, one of the best in the world at hitting fairways. Gets it in the place where Rom can hit the next shot. Tommy Fleetwood, one of the best in the world at hitting fairways, gets it in play so that Rory can hit the next shot. Ludwig Oberge or Aberg, however you want to pronounce it, who's been okay. who, okay. who, who they made it very clear who's been who's only been a pro for four months on TV over and over again. Again, he he didn't play great, but what's the one thing he does maybe better than anybody? He hits it in the fairway so that Victor Hovland can hit approach shots like. Scotty Scheffler didn't like half of the approach shots that were supposed to be hit by Scotty Scheffler were like punch outs and like just getting it back to the fairway because Burns was so awful. Like that, it makes absolutely no sense. None. I think uh, Brian Harmon or somebody like that would have been great with Scotty Scheffler, you know, because Brian Harmon can putt. Because, oh, like if Brian Harmon can get off the tee, Scotty Scheffler can hit the iron shot. Then you got Harmon hitting the birdie putt, right? Which I know but yeah. Burns is a pretty good putter. But you're yeah, right, he's the best asset. Scotty Scheffler can stuff it 15 feet in and from every place in yeah. the fair. You took away you took away your, the number one player in the world's greatest strength, where he's better than everybody, and you just completely wasted it because you could, the guy couldn't get in the fairway. I actually thought, like, the second day of foursomes, like, Harmon didn't play well the first one. The second one, him and Homa played really well because Harmon hit it in the fairway all the time, and Homa's a great iron player like where where do you even put burns then you don't do you he bench? doesn't need to play he doesn't need to play foursomes he could play four ball 
Like he could play four ball. You don't have, there's no rule that says you have to play foursomes. That was because he's Scotty's buddy. That's the buddy thing there for sure. It has to be. And then the other team uh, that Europeans put out there was Sepp Straka and uh, Lowry. Neither of them played great in singles or in four ball, but Sepp Straka and Lowry, but especially Straka, his one skill he was like 21st in the PGA Tour in driving accuracy. They all got the ball in play, which made a humongous difference because we we did not. It was so frustrating watching us start off by putting one in the rough every time. All over and over again. And getting down in a um, – think of any sport, any sport, football, basketball. When you're on the road, the key is to get yourself off to a good start. What does it do? It takes the crowd out of the play. It gets – your, it gets you confidence. Hey, I can do this. When you start down and all of a sudden you start giving Victor fist pumps and you get all of a sudden now you're behind the eight ball and now you press. Now you're like, I'm down too. the crowd's going nuts. We didn't, you know, you got to take away the crowd early. Yeah. And we did the exact opposite, throwing it, it uh... off, chunking them out. You got Brooks hitting trees. You got, it's just like, it was so frustrating to watch. It was just like, we can't have one guy just get us going by just putting one in the fairway. Yeah. Stuff. Just and get I, one in the fairway, please. And then somebody will hopefully just put one. In fact, just par the first hole. That's all I want. Yeah. It, uh, uh, it it doesn't, like Luke or Zach Johnson was captain for two years, basically. He had like 18 months or something, two years, whatever it was, to figure out strategy. And then once he picked Burns, you know, weeks ago, whatever. But um, it's like, almost like I was thinking about like, what would be a good analogy? Like if you, you're going to go into the baseball playoffs now and you got it and you look at a team you're playing, like the twins drew the blue Jays. Let's say they got a bunch of left-handed pitcher, left-handed hitters who hit, who hit left or hit righties amazingly. And you have a good left-handed pitcher, that, but yet you, you look at all the numbers and data and you still bring out the right-handed guy, knowing, knowing the team you're playing hits that guy well it makes no sense like it just it doesn't compute to me why he would do that especially when they haven't had success at the president's cup if they were two and oh i could see that but they were they got their ass kicked at the president's cup last year as a pairing twice and mike to your point um you know i it, at least zach johnson sat spieth and thomas in the first foursomes because those two guys were they, they were bad they played foursomes the next day did they not they played four. They played every round after the first one. Yeah, I would have. How can you put again Justin Thomas, who was one of your best tire player, with Spieth, who was God knows where off yeah, the team. You know, he was abysmal. I don't think JT played great by any stretch of the imagination. He didn't putt well. You know, a stroke game punter, but I feel for him a little bit because Spieth was like Spieth played well the first twelve holes of the first foursome on 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 Saturday morning. I think no Friday afternoon bet on four ball. He made five birdies. And then after that, down the stretch, he had his ball in pocket. Like, it was Justin Thomas playing against those guys by himself. It was bad. And I don't even know if Spieth would have broke 80 the second day on Saturday. Saturday, he was bad the whole time. It was a little – they won – on that first foursome, we won 10 holes as a team. 10 holes. That's it. Four groups, one ten holes. But you look at the you look at the pair the pairings we had. It's like, uh, you know, I think Homa Harmon made a lot of sense, and they showed up the second day. They played better the second day. Um, Ricky Fowler and Morikawa 
makes zero sense, really. I mean, Morikawa is actually statistically a really good driver. He's second on PGA Tour in accuracy this year and uh, 18th in strokes gain. But if Fowler was supposedly sick or whatever the hell was going on there, why put him out there right away? Especially with his Ryder Cup record. And I I totally was for picking Ricky. I think he deserved to be on the team the way he'd played this year. But it didn't make any sense whatsoever. I mean, and then Xander Cantlay pairing makes sense, but Xander played just awful the whole fucking time. But, um, and then the craziest thing to me about this whole thing goes back to your Einstein quote at the beginning is they get, they get their ass kicked right away, you know, in foursomes the first day. And I think I got, there's a good Mike Tyson quote that says, uh, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And I think, I think it was reported. I saw today or yesterday that Zach, I think kind of panicked for foursomes and then he threw Scheffler out there with Brooks Kepka, who, statistically speaking, I had to go back a couple of years. Brooks Kepka's a worse driver of the golf ball than Sam Burns. Brooks Kepka two years ago, his last time on the PGA Tour, was 156th in driving accuracy. I don't know, like, do they do they? I look these things up in five minutes today. Do they not have people to figure this out? I know, I know. Um, Brooks has won five majors, but if you look how he's won it, he's won it on by either bomb and gouging or or a course where you can just hit irons all day to wedge distance. That was not this golf course. The Europeans knew that. There was never a hole where you couldn't hit like drive or you had to hit driver with three wood basically on almost every tee box. So they so he did he did the same stupid shit the second day, and Scheffler Scheffler hardly got to play a normal approach shot in two foursomes matches. It was nothing but like Hitting it from the thick rough and doing the best he could. I felt I felt really bad for him, actually. And they got beat as bad as you could humanly get beat on the second day. Like just nine and seven. Just thumped. It it's it was such poor, poor yeah. choices of foursomes. I it makes me fucking nuts just to even think about it. So reason one, bizarre pairings. Tim, any other reasons why you think America just got absolutely obliterated? Just terrible play. I mean, these guys haven't played some of them in five weeks, which is just another point. It is unexcusable as to how you do not enter a PGA Tour tournament. Like, I get you've got family commitments and it's kind of your time away, but if you feel like you've got a civic duty at all, you there is a complete difference. If Jeff, you've mentioned this between competitive golf and non competitive golf, even if Phil is out in Jupiter, Florida with the guys playing and they're playing for a hundred grand. It is not the same as entering into a tournament with the camera crew there with the change of life that happens with your caddy there spending time reading putts and taking in what competitive golf is, especially on the biggest stage. And you've got guys that are rolling in late. You've got guys that aren't acclimated to the time change. You've got someone that's sick. Like, grow up, Ricky. It's easy to drink five glasses of wine and wake up fine in the morning. Like, come on, bud. So it, it was just, it was unpreparedness by that, by that, that team in totality. It, it, Zach Johnson, you should be able to, based on the ranking of that team, put nearly anyone together and expect them to beat people. But they, they flat out did not play golf. And that's not me excusing Zach Johnson. Zach Johnson, you sound like a terrible PR machine when you open up your mouth. The worst speeches I've ever fucking heard. Yeah, like grow a pair and stick up for your guys. You know, oh my god, we played you know great. Out, 
what I cannot believe after two days of us just getting shellacked, although the, the Saturday afternoon was a little better, they asked him point blank on TV, what do you need to do, you know, to, to, to try to make this comeback on Sunday? And I'm thinking if it's me, I'm just going to say, Hey, we got to play better. Like that's about, he goes, ah, I think we just got to do the same thing we've been doing. That was his exact like quote. Like, are you shitting me? The same thing you've been doing, you're getting just pumped. You're getting run, the doors are blown off. You're getting run right out of Italy. It's like it's like Mussolini just getting run right out of there by General Patton. It's I, embarrassing. And if yeah. you're any other sport and you're the head coach, you're going batting. Not golf. I think we all coach golf. We're very respectable golf. High school <laughs> yeah, not golf, golf but other here. sports, other team sports. Oh God, you're back there. The you're coach cussing. is blowing up. You're throwing stuff. You're like. Do we need to redesign plays? What have we been practicing? What have you been doing? Do you know what a pick is? But like, I think Coach Mike, every once in a while on the van ride home, gets, gives him a point. <laughs> uh, um, Look at that mustache on him. Once in a while. Okay, first of all, if you're watching on YouTube, this mustache is not my fault. It's like the camera. <laughs> it um <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, there 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 was a there was a group of folks with mustaches that were from Italy that, you know, made their mark. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so well, let's keep on this. Let's talk about players and captains picks and stuff because I think in hindsight, uh, I think we were all on board with, with JT and and you know, like Spieth and, and Fowler. You know, I, I would argue that Fowler earned it more than the other, you know, these other guys probably, but I went and did the digging on the on on the possible possible guys today. Just because I was intrigued as to who, you know, we never really did this much before. We didn't do this before the Ryder Cup, but I went back and looked today because you left off guys that are great drivers of the golf ball. Cameron Young is a very good, not only lengthwise, very good driver of the golf ball. Um, and we could talk about personalities and stuff later too. Keegan Bradley is a pretty good driver of the golf ball. Lucas Glover was seventh on PGA Tour this year in driving accuracy. So you left off three guys that are decent drivers of the golf ball for Sam Burns and Spieth, who who I think Spieth is always going to go. And not that, you know, I was on board with that too, just because of his history. But, I mean, this team was in no way prepared to play that kind of format and that kind of rough. It was just not, they were not, set up for it they weren't ready for it i don't know so i'm wondering this i i think there's got to be something to do with the away feeling okay could, could oh, they for sure. played wedworth you know they could they have done something the problem is you know if, if you try to play a home tournament like the fortinet or something like that it just doesn't have oh the guys the twelve guys from European went over to Europe and played in a European event that was over there. They were already kind of getting acclimated. It was, you know, they probably fed off each other. Even though they knew it was an individual tournament, they were probably all in it together in some way, shape, or form. They got a feel. Was it two weeks before or something like that? Two weeks, for- and it's actually a big like flagship European tour event. So it's not like a little shitty one. It's a big time event the BMW so, so was that kind of the advantage though to have them be I mean could could have all the American guys gotten playing that? I, I I would assume some of them could with world ranking points if they wanted to. Probably I mean, that would have been your best probably way to get acclimated and try to get ready because you're kind of already over there now. That that's also meaning that you're responsible for being over in Europe for a really good chunk of your of your free time that you get when the season's over, right? So 
But then again, I mean, if you act and you care about this Ryder Cup as much as you portray you do, as much as you act like you do, which I really think some of these guys don't. I really think some of them like being on well, the Ryder Cup, but it's not like... It's all about the Benjamins, baby. Exactly. And I think we've that's kind of come up to fruition. I think that's kind of part of this. And, and I honestly think that the Europeans do not think about that one bit. Now, and again... Typical the Europeans, Europeans. The Europeans get paid. No, neither of them get no, paid. We no, it's just typical that. Europeans not worried about getting paid. We could talk about that. I, I don't know, though. I don't know if the European side gets paid. That's up. They do not. Nobody gets paid. They do not. Okay. Well, a lot of people get paid a lot. A lot. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that with Cantley here in a little while and the hat thing and Xander and Xander's dad today and whatever. Uh, I believe they actually all get like 200000 but it, go, it has to go to a charity of their choice. So they do not get paid. Um, but, like, back to the schedule. I doesn't this seem like I know the PGA tour does not run this, the PGA America does, but this, this could be so easily fixed. Just have a few like bye weeks like football does. You don't have to have a PGA tour stop every single week. You can have a week off somewhere so that the tour championship or whatever is like into September sometime, at least, you know, middle of September so that they're, these guys are playing um, you know, closer to the Ryder Cup. It would actually be better for the FedEx Cup. You're not playing in Atlanta in August. At least you're playing in September where it's a little bit cooler down there and Lucas Glover isn't sweating through his pants in Memphis, you know, and all that stuff possibly. They they need to figure that this out. This is it's very poor uh scheduling and timing. Cause again, I think um oh, what's his name on M- McGinley was saying on the golf channel. If if this was the Masters or the Open or the U.S. Open, would these guys take five weeks off and just show up and play? Of course they wouldn't. There's no Again, way in hell they would. It's not about timing. All right. Here's the thing you just mentioned. What do they get? They get two hundred thousand dollars donated to a charity in their name. Well, you know who gets the taxable write-off for making a donation in someone else's well, name? They do. No, unless no, the, no, no. It's the, the original it. donator. It's yeah, the original the donator. PGMA. Right. Okay. So, so congratulations, you've effectively not paid these guys, and we're American. Why are we showing up for these events if we're unpaid? It's the American way to make money. Let's uh, let's talk about that then. Should they get paid? Hundred percent. One one thousand, probably like one million percent. I mean, how much was this worth to Jeff to the organizing organization? I think they should get some sort of a stipend of some sort. I, I don't. It'd be interesting to see where this. I mean, they have to be making loads of money. I mean, the writer oh, yeah. is has to be bringing in shit tons of money from a TV perspective, from all sorts of things. And where does it go? You know, where does the money go? Does anybody? Well, you know, where is it going? And and so these guys yeah. should be getting something. Now, I don't. It has to be a not about money stuff. I really think it, what makes it really special is that it's not about money. Correct. And that's what makes it so cool. It, it, but it can't be about money because you're being selected, right? And you're not going to turn down. It's not like this is a free-for-all and anyone can go play on the Ryder Cup. You're being specifically selected. And yes. at, as as that is happening, like, you deserve compensation. It'd be, it's the same effect as if if you're playing football, like real football, not not football. Sucks. And and you make it to, to the FIFA World Cup, right? The highest echelon of team sports. It probably ever um and you get paid you don't get paid because it's your it's your country's team 
right? It'd be absolutely ridiculous because that was, I think, a three or four billion dollar endeavor. Well, can't, why can't there be a little stipend, at, like, because you made the Ryder Cup team? Like, there, I mean, I'm not saying like give there, them loads of money. Can be. But t- so here's, uh, I was always kind of on, I was ca- always on the side of they don't need money, they make enough money the way it is, you know. I mean, but watching this broadcast. I don't even, how much is BMW and some of these companies, Jeep, they must be paying an insane amount of money. I know it's on in the middle of the night because the commercials are on every five minutes. And if they're willing to pay an insane amount of money, they must be making an insane amount of money. And the team, everybody's making a lot of money off of this except the players. So I am, I'm on team Cantley for this one. I'm all about paying these guys like, like NIL and college football. I'm all about paying those guys too. pay them. The college coaches, Nick Saban makes $11 million a year. The football players at Alabama bring in more money for that university than any other player, students on campus by far. It isn't even close. So I, I'm all for paying them. I'm all for paying these guys too. But I think there's a real problem with paying these guys. A but, real problem. You have to restructure the whole system. You can't have captain's picks. You do, but why? But why does Patrick Cantley have to make it about it during the Ryder Cup? Like, why sure. does this stuff happen? Why can't we deal with this stuff? You have two years to figure it out, or yeah. to oh. about it. You don't make well, a fuck about the freaking week that you're playing. It I sounds like some people got kind of strong armed into it. So at that point in time, well, so I, mean, I think with the whole hat thing, um, what was on know, the hat? I, I USA, right? Yeah, Am I missing something? It's a USA hat. He claimed it didn't fit. Now it was a trucker hat, so I won't blame him have... because it's like, you know, it's not 2004. It's 2023. But um, he does have a big dome. Like that thing's, but, um, that thing's huge. You know, it's well, so the, the, the Jamie Weir story came out that ha- that the U.S. locker room was fractured and Xander and Cantley were basically in their own locker room protesting, blah, blah, blah. That's why Cantley didn't wear the hat because he's pro- silent protesting and all this. I think that's partially true. You know, Cantlay said, no, not true, but it is a known fact that Patrick Cantlay is one of the loudest, most outspoken guys when it comes to these guys making more money. It's a known fact. Um, And so is Xander Xander's dad today. Do you see that report? Xander's dad basically said Xander wasn't sure he was going to play up until a few weeks for the, before the, uh, Ryder Cup because the PGA America hadn't did something and Xander's dad's all about paying these guys too. So I I think um I think that's a partially true story. I kind of believe Cantley. I you know, I think uh cuz I think he I think he actually did a really good job of diffusing it. He didn't really, you know, bring I, up a lot I, of I, it. I just he handled it pretty goes... well. Um but if you pay, the problem with paying these guys is it opens up such a ball of worms with captain's picks. If you, if you're going to pay these guys, like say you're going to pay them, how much do you pay them? A million bucks for playing 2 million, 2 million to the winning team, million to the losing team, like players, like then how can you have captain's picks? If you're, if you're talking about, you know, you almost have to go to like straight up this one through 12 ranking system. And you, those 12 go, there's if nothing gonna, better than under the table money involved here. like that. I mean, it's kind of like the Timberwolves and Kevin Garnett picking his buddies, Joe Smith and Troy Hudson and money going under the table and whatever. That's know. American. That sounds but perfect. I what? Do, I'm with Cantley on that one a little bit. Like they need to, they should be compensated. They do get so twenty percent 
goes to the PGA Tour pension fund, supposedly, for all of the players. But Cantlay has been the most vocal guy, um, you know, talking about how the, the studs should get more. Like, I am a 100% convinced that if the PIF thing falls through with Liv and they don't merge and Liv becomes, stays a thing, that can't, Patrick Cantlay and Xander Shoffley will go to Liv at some point because they're all about the money. And they've all already been kind of... Yes. You know, there's been rumors that they already are flirting yes. with something. Because so, they're the two guys that are about, about the money. But, um, you know, and that's that's something. I just, I hated that that kind of became part of the topic during the tournament because it takes away from the golf and it makes us talk about stuff that has nothing to do with the golf. And I still think that, you know, I, I, I was, I'll say this, I was impressed that Cantley was able to just kind of embrace it. I think um, we talk about, I've been talking about this for years. You need an instigator. You need a guy on your team that does something to get people going. You cannot have 12 boring golfers play golf. It doesn't do anything to fans. It's not fun to watch. And anything with the team, when you go on the road, you want that one guy, right? You want that one guy on your team, whether any team sport that really embraces just kicking, just deflating any sort of hype behind this home court or home field advantage, right? Whether they just make a big play, whether they get the crowd kind of going, you need that kind of guy. You don't need 12 of them because that's, you know, it's not, that's not going to be Scotty Scheffler. That's not going to be some of these other guys, but you need a couple of those guys. At least Cantlay did something, you know, with this hat thing kind of got him. Yeah. Going. yeah. Another hat, purpose for the USA. He, the hat he thing had made the, the Ryder easiest Cup. out. No, he had the easiest out too. If he wanted to make a, a whole correct PR soft HR quote, like, like Zach Johnson was doing all week, he's getting married. Or he is married now, He's I suppose. Married now, yeah. Happy birthday yeah. or happy birthday! Congratulations Ooh. on the marriage, uh, Patrick. Congratulations, Kelly. Pat. Yep, wonderful. But, um, he could have he could have just contested. He does not want a tan line going into his <laughs> wedding photos. That is it. That it. Whole thing done. What a romantic! What a sweet guy. So thoughtful for the photos. Yes, of course you'd leave the hat off in this Italian sun. You're from uh, North America. We understand. Uh. Yeah, I just think, and it's a, I think Jeff's spot, Jeff's spot on there. If you if you remember back to that uh, Friday, the second stage or session, four ball, the U.S. was flat again until JT got up there and he got over a putt, and then somebody in the crowd he he backed off, and the crowd you know gave him the um you know a bunch of noise, and then he made it, and then that was the first time you saw some life out of an American like. He was giving it back to the crowd a little bit and stuff like that. And that was, you know, he got hamstrung by speed the whole time. But I think, you know, I think we assume that guys like Cameron Young and Lucas, some we know Keegan would be fiery. He is. But I think you assume that guys like Cameron Young and Lucas Glover, the other possibilities, wouldn't be. I think sometimes the Ryder Cup brings that out. Justin Rose is about as stoic as a golfer in a normal PGA tour event. He doesn't, he, you know, he's as even keel as they come and he's out there making putts from everywhere and just fist pumping and double fist pumping. And I think who's to say that if Lucas Glover had that long wand going and making putts that Lucas Glover is not, you know, going bonkers. I don't know. It's a whole different, you know, animal at the Ryder cup. So I don't, yeah. you could have, you could have paired a Cameron young with a Justin Thomas and JT would have brought plenty of juice, you know, to that group. Uh, so I don't know. You come out flat. You come out just not 
what appears to be ready to play, right? That's a quote a lot of coaches. We weren't ready to play. They came out flat and they, they were just missing somebody or something to like, and it's like, how do you come out flat to a Ryder Cup? I mean, it's a Ryder Cup. Now, here's the difference. You're on the road. You don't have that home crowd Correct. to get jacked up. So you have to create it by using that crowd to your advantage to get you give you a, another semi-little angle or you know motivator to, to, to try to do something to the crowd to, to make it react, right? And whether it's draining a putt and like looking over at them or something to get you going or your team going because – if you're just going to walk up there, make a pot, walk up to your ball and get it, that might work for a lot of people. But in reality, if you think, you know, go back to Medina. Like Ian Poulter had an outer body experience, and it literally took his team when it was down big, all these antics, all these things that maybe some people are think too much. You know, a lot of people are saying fist pumps and let's goes are really overblown. You don't sh- sh- But you know what? Look at what that created for his team in that situation. When it wasn't a home game, it was not. He only cared about the emotion of making these putts. It revved up his team, got the crowd like wondering what's going on, you know. And he threw that little, um, I don't know, just wrench into our plans, and it yeah. ended up, you know, catapulting him to a win. Yeah, you just you got to revel being the bad guy in that situation because I think. You know, if like Hazeltine here, when I was at Hazeltine a bunch of those days during Ryder Cup, um, you can hear there's it's so loud. You can hear the roars coming from across the golf course, and and you know that's an American something. Somebody on the American team did something great. You know, something was awesome. I think if you were a European player, the first two days at this Ryder Cup in, in Italy, all you heard was roars the whole time, and nobody on the U.S. team did anything the first couple of days to like. Just shut those up. Like all you needed was a couple groups to to you know get ahead, do something to get keep the crowd off them. So just quiet down the golf course a little bit because the Europeans are just feeding off of that, off of the crowd over and over. And that's all the crowd was doing was going crazy because the US couldn't win a fucking point, uh, basically, uh at all. But um, you know, I don't know. It's a weird deal for some of the U.S. guys. Like, you think Brooks Kepka would just revel in that situation. Like, you think he would just – he's got that chip on his shoulder. He's not a good Ryder Cup player except in singles. His singles record is really good. You know, he's he's kind of a lone wolf. And then when he lost, instead of, like, you know, play, saying I played shitty, he's talking shit about John Rahm hitting a uh, – like, he's making up excuses about John Rahm punching a, a board – like, it's like, I think Tim and I were listening to a podcast on the way back and I can't remember which one it was. And they summed him up. Perfect. He's that alpha dog. He's always trying to find an edge, you know, on somebody on, on and I don't know if he's trying to find, get an edge on John Rom. John Rom is also an alpha who happens to be a better golfer right now than Brooks Kepka. So I don't know what, <laughs> what edge, what edge is just, what is John Rom going to care that Brooks Kepka said he's slapping a bull. Like that doesn't seem like, it made any sense to me. It just a bad look for Brooks is all it was. I, I, I don't know. This is this is going to be very very heated later on. I mean, this could be for the listeners. This could be uh, the next Romeo and Juliet, as the uh, two kids age of these these two feuding families. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> check check in for further notes. Could be yeah. some years ahead. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just of course Rom handled it well. You know, Rom took that. I think- I just, I'm so sick of just, what do we got to do? We just got to play better. 
Well, if we did that, yeah. we wouldn't have lost the last 30 years over there, right? It's like yeah. there's no, something no. more than just play better. It's got to be like there's got to be more to it than just play better. Yeah, you got to play. At some point would have naturally won. You have to uh, – you have to – yeah, of course. You got to find it. You know, again, I think the European group is way tighter. They – a lot of this has to do with history. I know, I know Jeff, you hated hearing about Seve all the time. But, oh. you know, a lot of this has to do with the fact that – and the reason they have Seve, they hold him in such high esteem, is he basically is the is the European Ryder Cup. Like without him, he's the reason it went. It is what it is. Like until 1979, when it was the U.S. versus you know Great Britain, we were kicking the shit of them all the time. And then Jack Nicklaus said, "Hey, maybe we should get them to play. You know, to have the Europeans play too, the rest of Europe, because they got Seve, and it'll be more competitive." And Seve was the guy that really, you know took that whole thing to another level, the Ryder cup, you know, with, with competitive spirit and stuff like that until him, it was just kind of a dead event. Um, but I, yeah. So they, I mean, the Europeans hold him in such high esteem. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I know it gets, it gets old, but uh, the U S doesn't have any rallying cry at all. They have nothing. They just, Zach Johnson just said, this is a tight group. This is a tight group. Yeah, well, who gives a shit? You don't think the Europeans, you don't think the Europeans are tight? I mean, yeah, it looked like, look like a tight group. We watched them play. They looked really tight when they were swinging the golf club. Holy yeah. cow. Not a tight group. Yeah. like don't, I don't, don't, And that's the thing. That's a facade. Like, we know that's not true. Everybody knows. Yeah. Everybody can see that that's not true. Yes, there's a couple. Well, here you go. The hat, the hat thing. You got three guys that come out or whatever without their yeah. hats if they were so tight, they would have all came out without their hats on. All of them. The whole team. Exactly. If they were trying yeah. to back up one guy, it wouldn't have mattered. They would have all come out with, yes. with a hat. Absolutely 100%. So this is this facade that they're the tightest group ever. <laughs> yeah, right. That and is not even, true. We all and it's them. even after. And I guess I think part of this is probably being the home team, too, because that whistling straights, I think they did a pretty good job of this when they're winning. You know, the Europeans are out there, are out there supporting their players and you you don't see the American guys as much out there. Did they go back to the locker room or what the hell were they doing? I don't know. Brooks, where was all those guys when Cantley make that putt? There was only like four or five of them sitting there. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I don't, I, I don't know, but I think that if we're going to go back to how do you win in Europe, okay? Because winning at home, Rory said it exactly on his, on his press conference. One of the hardest accomplishments he think is winning on the road in the Ryder Cup. It hasn't happened for... Uh, a long time. Last time the Europeans won in America was 2012. I think that was the last. That was Medina. That was the last away team to win a Ryder Cup. So it's been a while. It's been you know six times or whatever, five six times. But if you look at um, the last six Ryder Cups, the home team is 33 and a half to 10 and a half in foursomes, and the rest of it's 50 to 46. The home team wins by a little bit. And everything else, but foursomes is just a huge gap, and that's for both sides. This doesn't matter, you know. The the that's why this result, a five point win, is like the been the average of like the last five Ryder Cups. You know, we won by a bunch of whistling. It's like there hasn't been a close one for a while because nobody can hang with the other home team in foursomes. Like you have to find a way to not win at least, but to get some points. Like you know, five to, and foursomes five to three. Can you get three points? out of the eight and just hang in there and you have a chance on the road, but the U S got a freaking point and a half, you know, they would have got, I guess, two points if Rom wouldn't have made that or 
whatever that, that one bomb from like for Eagle there, but it's just you have to find a way to make a team that can scrape together two players with the idea that these two players are going to form what we think is like one super player where they highlight each other's strengths and minimize their weaknesses. And that's what the Europeans did like to perfection in the foursomes like Ludwig, you know, a young kid did not play great you know, in, in the singles or the one four ball round, but in foursomes, he was going to play both times, no matter what, because his one strength is he is number one on the PGA tour in driving. Like, all he had to do was do what he does best, and they're going to almost win because Victor Hovland is so fucking good, you know, at everything else. Like, it's it's all it takes. And then we trot out the dumbest the dumbest pairings of all time for a few of these. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So I, I think there's a lot. I mean, we can get to that. I, I think what we should probably kind of go off of is what was some of your most, you know, we talk about the results. We talk about, you know, Zach Johnson. What, what were some of your most disappointing players like just i mean obviously scotty scheffler has to headline that the world number one just getting smoked in every way shape or form obviously uh, even losing the last hole to lose it to tie his singles was yes. disappointing you know your one number one player has to you, you have to have your horses right that's what europe had they had rory rom and victor they did absolutely carried the europeans yeah. but they and mixed them with isaac hatton and little bulldogs right just Fleet, fleetwood was three and one so, so you got your top guys that just play really well, and we didn't get that. I just felt like our top guys outside of Max Homa just didn't really give us much that you have to bank on them playing well. And when they don't play well, it feeds into everybody else not playing well. And and when your top guy can't perform, that's your leader, right? When Then you're looking at yourself like, you know, what am I doing here? So I think Scotty is the, the headline on mine. So I, I, I had Scott, Scotty was a disappointment, but my, I, I had Xander Shoffley as my biggest disappointment. Um, just mainly because he has a good history. Him and Cantlay, you know, uh, have been almost unbeatable until this year, but now maybe there were distractions there with the I don't know, but Xander was one and three. He was one, three and oh, um, his one point was he beat, um, one singles. He beat Nikolai Hoygaard, the worst, the weakest player on the European team. He beat in singles. Otherwise, he was, you know, oh three and oh going into that. And I think Scheffler was oh two and two, but he really battled. Like that match with Rom was an, was a great was great. And I think Scheffler's two losses in foursome. I don't know how much we can pit on him. He was never able, like we said earlier, to play to his strength. He was just chipping it out of the rough all the time. Like it was awful. But how many holes did he give to Scotty Sh- or give to John Rahm? He, he gave some. He he made some bad. He did. He did. He did not play well. I think Scheffler is one guy who I think actually does care. Like he was crying. Oh. I think after they got after they got pumped there by Victor and Ludwig. Um, He's from Texas, so. But I mean, Spieth was atrocious. SP two K was bad. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Fowler was Fowler was terrible. JT was not much better than those guys. I mean, they, well, it was bad. You know talk about tour sauce or whatever. You watch, watch Ricky Fowler's tee shot on 16. He holds the pose like it's going to help his ball not go far right. <laughs> That's freaking wet. He just oh, yeah. held it. It's going to fix it. And it just how is going to go. I how, Studley, he held it. 
how studly was Fleetwood though to step up there and not pull yeah. iron, not pull iron after he gets in the water, just flush a driver, just straight, straight as an arrow, right at the fucking middle of the green. Who was that then? That was so. So who was what? What was that? Where somebody puts it in the water and then an American comes up and then puts that was it in- Homa. Homa singles match. Well, yeah, like how Homa, you- Homa did it Fitz. right after, but the yeah. Yes, Matt and Fit, and then and then he had actually an opportunity to win the whole still. Yes. Uh yeah. I mean, uh, Morikawa didn't really didn't play well. Him and him and Burns got hot in the one four ball. That was about it. Uh, Wyndham didn't play well. Uh, Wyndham actually must have been a little deflated because I think Wyndham played pretty well his first round and his, but then he played well. But all everybody's gonna remember is the is the approach shots on eighteen that he just flared miles right after a great tee shot. So uh, Wyndham played well at times. He did not play One well in the singles. He didn't play well in the singles match when Bobby Mack was missing like three footers and he was still winning. Um, I, I I was going to mention that too. I think Wyndham, one thing I noticed with Wyndham on in important shots, I feel like his tempo sped up. Yeah. Like he got even quicker on his, on his tape back come through. And he's pretty quick to begin with. It was even quicker and he could not catch up. His body was way ahead. And he's gonna flare him. Flare the him amazing thing is the drive on that hole is tougher than the approach shot. Like the tee shot is a hell of a tough tee shot, for, especially for a guy who cuts it to hit because you got to take on that bunker at like three twenty or whatever the carry was. And I, and I don't think like why, why couldn't he just cut one off the left side of the green? You know, like yeah, I don't know. I really seem ever double cross. If you if you hit your cut and you just hit it off the left side of the green. Even if you're on the right side of the of the green, you know, right on the right side, that's gonna be a two putt, right? He just, you could just tell there was something in there. Just sped up his process, sped up I, his swing. It'd be interesting yeah. to talk to John too, just because yeah. I'm, I'm assuming John noticed things at the Ryder Cup that he was doing that he would not be doing in a regular event. Sure. You know, from you know what, if if those boys would hit the ball more like me, <laughs> they would have been in such fine shape. Either you're you hitting the green. How did you not get a? Hey, they I know. I. They, from speaking oh, about our th- our three matches this weekend, well, um, I, I did win a stroke play, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> doesn't matter. I was just ripping it for going for broke every time because the match was over. <laughs> um. Anyway, if the if the U.S. is looking for somebody to flare a wedge that comes up about twenty yards short over and over oh, again, yeah. Tim was your guy this weekend because it was like nonstop. <laughs> I'd, yeah. I'd be quoting Einstein right now, but was there honestly anybody- like. Geez, just to hit your normal cut, you're on the green. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's it's, well, it's hard. Anybody, I was just asking. There's okay. If you, you want to finish that, and then was there anybody disappointing you thought from the European side? Which I mean, yeah, I mean, I you I, I, I you can't do this just based on record. You know, like to, like Bobby, like Big Shot Bob was two zero and one. Big Shot Bob was bad. Justin Rose used fifteen of his holes in the four ball. Fifteen. <laughs> Like fucking awesome. Bob could have almost not been there. Like it wasn't even, he wasn't, he was so bad. And he is, he has an undefeated Ryder cup record now for his career. If he, if, if he never plays again, he'll be undefeated in the Ryder cup. Did you see his hangover picture at the airport? Yeah, I, I, knew hungover. Oh, yeah. I walked, uh, yeah. he was on that bus thing and I would walk 500 miles. You know, um, when it came to the European team, it was pretty, I mean, well, Cripes, they have so many guys with good records. I, I thought Shane Lowry didn't play, did not play great. Um, he was the hype man, though. He was the ultimate hype man. Till Lakava told him to shut the fuck up. That, we'll, 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 we'll have to get, we'll have to get to that. We'll have to get to that in a little bit here. But uh, I thought Fitz again, Fitzpatrick. Other than when he was really hot that one stretch, 
where he made like six birdies in a row with Rory. Yeah, carried. He was not. He was not. He was not very good. Besides that, um, which is weird because that course should fit his game really well. But um, yeah, I don't know. Hard to give bad grades to anybody in the European team. I mean, Hoygar was zero two, but he's he's young and he made eight birdies the one match. Okay. Well, let's go to most impressive, and we'll start with the USA team because it's not very many, and then obviously the Europeans. And I, and I want to say this right off the bat. I, I do think right now that Max Homa is the new face of the American team. I think yeah. he, he enjoys the – he loves the 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 whole atmosphere. He loves the, the Ryder Cups, the President of the Cup. He embraces everything that there is about it. And he's got the care. He's got the grit. He's got the personality. He's got the toughness. He's got the game. And he's got everybody. I don't think there's a guy out there that hates Max Homa. I don't think there's a guy no. out there that wouldn't listen to Max Homa. I don't think there's a guy out there that wouldn't want to play with Max Homa. I, I think, think he's uh, the squad going forward. That's what I say right now. Oh, oh, for sure he is. He is for sure, hundred percent. And I also I think he's uh, he's seven one and one by the way the last two years in these events. He's good. Uh, I do, and I also think that putt he made in singles. Um is going to really propel him with major, you know, cause he hasn't really taken that next step in majors, but you know, that, that, that was the other wild thing about this Ryder cup. Um, you know, it's so much more exciting, even when the U S is getting pounded than even any of the majors. It's so much, there's so many storylines. Like you're looking at that board and you're Tim and I were sitting there watching it up at the lake. And I'm like, we're like, Holy shit. If Homa makes this putt and doesn't lose a half point, there's a whole, and those bottom two at the time, it was like a whole bunch of red. And then it was like Ricky and Wyndham were, were only down one with like eight holes left. We we're like, holy crap, they could somehow do this. Like it, it just kept you on your seat for a while. There was like an hour stretch there where it looked like somehow the U.S. had a shot to pull this damn thing off. Uh, then, of course, it didn't happen. But yeah, I agree 100%. Homa's the guy. I mean, he just, he does. And I also think in a weird way, Cantlay, um, came out of this whole thing more endearing to people than before. Like, even though he's the hat guy and they talk about money, like he played the, the, the Patrick Reed kind of the villain role um, and stuck it to the fans. And and he was that sequence of 16, 17 and 18 on Saturday night was unbelievable. The putts he was making. And he, he actually, to me, like, didn't it seem like he showed more personality like smiling and stuff than he's yeah, ever shown yeah. ever. Like yeah. he's so stoic normally. Um, and even though I think he's really surly and not very good with fans and the press and everything and not real likable. Like, I think, I, I think he's going to come away from this as a winner. Like, I think people are going to view him differently uh, because he basically kept the American hopes alive, you know, pretty much there and embraced that whole thing. So the only thing about that though is you know you had you had but Patrick Reed once uh, once upon a time did for Team USA right yeah got to keep himself away from other things that he does off the golf course or during the golf course to kind of wreck that I think I think right now he's a little bit higher but he can do things I can see him say things I can see him be a part of things that like going to live or sure. whatever kind of take his where he's now propelled himself to and bring it right back down right so. So there, there is, is no more live. It's just all tour. Yeah. I mean, if that's the thing, if, if this PIF thing goes through and there's no, and there's a lot more money infused into the, whatever they call this now, the PGA tour, I think the Cantlay Xander thing kind of goes away. You know, maybe not the Ryder cup paying, but those guys are going to get paid a lot more money than what they're, you know, they're going to have tons of money. If it doesn't, 
I don't know. Like, let's say he has to stick around the PGA Tour for a couple of years and there's no more money. He's going to be a squeaky wheel and keep complaining about it. That's what, like, he doesn't do it outwardly to the, you know, to the press, but it, you know, you know how that he does it inwardly, but it gets reported. Everybody knows he's the guy that, that does that, that's complaining about the money and everything. So I don't know. I just thought he came off looking like a million bucks, kind of. But I think, um, that's the whole. That's the whole problem for Team USA. He was two and two, and everybody's gonna remember how great he thought he played. Where are they? you, the European guys, don't give a shit what their personal record is and all that. They just want to win. We're talking about the best player, the best player during the Ryder Cup, right? Rory was the Rory and, and Victor. Well, were the no, 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 best, best, best US, best US. Oh, you guys are missing was. the boat complete, completely. Sure. No, you're both wrong. You're both wrong. Neither one of them brought views after just a terrible day one and day two. And nothing could bring us back other than bad commercials. There's only one gentleman that was a part of both serious news breaks that happened during the uh, during the event, and that's Joe LaCava. He was there for Hatgate. Right? Well, he did. He did. Uh, he and did. he's there for the fist fight in the parking yeah. lot. Let's he did, go, he did, Joe. He did bring like, up, baby. That was a. And part of that is Cantley. If Cantley doesn't make those first two putts, that that doesn't happen. That's only happening when when Cantley makes those putts. But that whole scenario with with Cantley, Lacava, and Rory brought juice to this whole thing. It was a dead. It was a dead event until then, and that brought the juice to this whole damn thing. Which you know, um, let's talk I, about the real singles match and who's making it out of match play to the. To the top of this pyramid of of writer cup bodies. How about a fist? A fist fight would have been great. But um, if you watch the whole minute and a half video, what Joe Lacava did was egregious. Like, <laughs> I'm 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 glad he did it. I'm so glad he did it because it gives it. A... What's that, Jeff? I have a butt when you're done. Like, I know it was it was ridiculous. Like the way he walked back onto the green. But when you're done, I have a, I have a butt. Oh. I mean, oh, come I think, on. You guys don't like, make shadows in each other's putts and do ridiculous uh, stuff with the hands around the hole. I think um, that moment gives all of us that you know, do podcasts and news and websites something to talk about. And then Rory gets Rory's getting restrained by Shane Lowry, who's like the big bouncer, but like the one who wouldn't fight anybody ever. And and uh, the As big you thing, would like, say, Mike, just because you work out doesn't mean you can take a punch. And exactly. Like Rory's got a lot of manufacturers. <laughs> Rory's going down. Rory's got a lot of manufacturer strength. There's man strength and manufacturer strength. But anyway, <laughs> Rory could have regrouped himself. Couldn't Rory have just taken his time to like regroup and and not was that big of a deal? But it was epic when he was he told Shane Lowry to f- shut the fuck up or fuck off, Shane. He said, I think this is exactly what he said. Because you could get you just to see Lowry like running around, jumping up and down and, and doing crap or something. This screamed WWE vibes to me, the whole thing. <laughs> I could only picture it was WWE style. I just felt like, and the thing is, what I think LaCava was really doing, and, and he's a seasoned vet, you know, he's been on some tremendous bags. Um, I think he was backing up his his boy. I think he was. Of course he was. Higher 18 holes of these guys throwing their hats at him. And he finishes like that. Like, Kava did not want that moment to end. He knew how special that was, like how his boy came back on the last three holes. And what he wanted to do, I think, in a little bit was throw the other guys off just a tiny bit on their putts to hopefully, you know, get this USA team propelled on to 
you know, hopefully something special the next day. And it was a veteran move. It was very egregious. It like, was egregious. It was so long. It was like, he's out there forever. There's <laughs> nothing more American than overdoing like it. Johnny, right? Like Johnny, like our guy, Johnny kind of started the hat thing. LS. God, I love he that. Did, he did the hat thing, but then he got out of the way and the was just roaming around like a, like a Roomba, like a Roomba vacuum cleaner, just going in circles around there, waving his hat and telling everybody to fuck off. I'm gonna John, fuck you're listening, be a man and get fully in there. Two minutes of celebration. I think. Well, oh. the other thing, Lacava, you know, he's like a New Yorker, like Connecticut guy, like a you know, those up there people are a little different. It's more in your face. You know, he's one of those guys, I think. But uh, which is what yeah, I mean, it provided us so much good entertainment, like. When they were the dubbing only let's let's not let's not blow this out of the water with minimizing it. it the only entertainment. Joe Lacaba <laughs> was the only entertainment of the entire Ryder Cup. There was nothing outside of him and and, and Cantley the entire time. Some of the social media stuff with Rory pointing when he was trying to fight or whatever, that they were dubbing like words and stuff into what he was saying was amazing. Just amazing stuff on oh, social media. <laughs> did you see the one where it's like that thing, that thing back there is not real. Yeah. <laughs> and it's Rory pointing. Rory is still pissed to this day. Well, here's the other thing with this whole. So struggling too. Like that. You're right. Like that's. This whole thing was so bizarre. The Ryder Cup with all the different news reportings. Like you had, you had Jamie Weir, who he goes on with no laying up a lot. He's the European kind of guy reporting this whole Hatgate thing, you know, and, and this riff. And then you have Azinger. On TV saying, nope, not real. It's all fake, which you know it's not all fake. It's partly true. Like Xan, it's no, it's known that Xander and Cantley are are about getting paid. And Azinger, nope, nope, not true. Blah blah blah. And, and then um what else happened with like reporting on, on social yeah, media? They went on to say that that Rory met with Lacava. Yeah, they, Rory like, met with him. Then they asked, then they asked Rory point blank, no, I haven't met with him. And they just reported that he did. Like, no, no, what no, is no, going no, on? No, no. The, the, the difference was they reported a phone call or a conversation with Lacava, and then it was, did you see Lacava? Have you met with Lacava? What's which makes happen? it no, he hadn't. He hadn't seen him. No, but maybe they talked. I don't. Uh, he had. I don't think he had. He, he didn't sell. He was pissy. Still, Rory was. Uh, I think what has to happen is break 80s guys in two years have to be on site. So we get some true reporting, some true media reporting, no bullshitting. Um, but we might be out there like shaving cream cars, like USA on the side <laughs> of all the, uh, uh, all the yeah, European cars. Know, just a, a little controversy. There was more like, I'm going to remember this Ryder cup more for the bizarre stuff than the actual golf, like okay, just bizarre stuff. Talk about another bizarre stuff. Ricky Fowler to to win the Ryder Cup gives like a three foot downhill slider, like not slider, but like that's not guy. Your... It's not like he gave that putt to you know uh, a great putter. He gave that putt to a guy who's never won a PGA tournament, oh, mainly God. because he can't make short putts. Like he blows putts down the street. <laughs> like, are you shitting me? You're gonna give me that? Never won the Ryder Cup. You know, it's like, do you, do you think he? Do you think Ricky knew that that was the winning putt? Like, did he, he know? He has to know that they're a one half point. Like somebody's got to be in his ear on the mic, you know, on the thing. But like, like, yeah, I mean, it was like, especially since Big Shot Bob just missed a putt before they showed on TV that was shorter than that. (laughs) I don't know. It's it was like that was bizarre. I'm like, how do you? I mean, okay, you're gonna give that. Then, like I said, amateurs around the world do not have to make that putt anymore. Well, here's some more bizarre Ricky stuff. I never do. Here's yeah, yeah, we don't putt those. Here's (laughs) nope. Right Here's up. bizarre, bizarre Ricky slash Zach Johnson shit. What was with the illness thing? We play like shit. 
And then magically, everybody was sick. We played like shit. We're all sick. But then Saturday, everybody's magically fine again before the second round. What well, the hell is going on? Was Ricky sick? Did he play like shit? What? He, he got he a DUI. That's, he didn't yeah. play at all Saturday. <laughs> like, what is ha- what the hell is going on with that? Likely well, got a DUI, Mike. So many ways other than up getting your ass kicked. Um, yeah. You can get your ass kicked. The guys that played well in the Europeans. I mean... The list goes on. I think there's one, two, three, four, five. Uh, I think there's six guys that we should probably point out as just playing unbelievable golf. It starts to me with me. It starts with the top three guys that showed up. Their top three players: Victor, Rory, and Rom. Yep, and right from the beginning, Victor chips in on the first fucking hole, and it was just like the first two days was like one big moment after the next. Rom makes that eagle putt to have a hole. Victor makes that like 35 foot run 18 to have a hole or to have a match. And it was like one thing on 16 Eagle putt on 18. Yes. Rory multiple times, like on 17 neat when they needed a big shot, he'd stuck like on 17. He put it right next to the hole. It's just, it's a big shot after big shot after big shot. And then the U S gets up there and like Kepka snipe hooks one into the water on it. It's just a, just a calamity over and over again. Just nonsense. I don't know. It's yeah. I, and then I just want to point out, you got those. I, I think, you know, Hatton did a great job of getting out of John Rom's way. Yeah. Like, I'm just going to put it in play. Let John Rom do his thing. I'll make putts when he puts it close. Um, obviously he played well in the singles. Uh, you know, I think I thought Harmon was going to give him a good run and just didn't let, didn't let Harmon get back into it. And then you got to think about, you know, a lot of people thought that the Justin Rose pick, you know, was going to be, one that, you know, why are we taking he's the only one from a dino, him and Ricky left, right? Yeah. The ones. Um and, and I and I and I and I tweeted this out. Like I, I got a lot of props for Justin Rose, who knew that if he were to go to live, he loses this opportunity. And look at what it ended up doing for him. He got yeah. a bigger, greater legacy now, being able to play in this one with all those memories that he just made. Huge putt on 18 on day one. Then he comes back and makes huge putts on you know the foursomes on on day two obviously his singles you know he gave a heck of a run he didn't he didn't get the win but he made it seem like you know he played so it was fun for him rose played a lot better than his one 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 record like he like he and those putts weren't like trickling in they were like middle of the cup over and over again like it was unbelievable so yeah i thought rose came out smelling really well um yeah i don't know even even rom at 2-0-2 the two ties were he made crazy putts in the match with Scheffler, so he played well. I don't, yeah. I just, they just do, they outclassed um, the United States. We've said this a billion times for this episode on how to mesh people together. It, it just so much better. Uh, you know, like the guys they throw out there, like hat, and again, they get to set the golf course up and they, um, you know, it was reported like before the Ryder Cup that it wasn't set up that hard like France and it wasn't, you know, the rough wasn't that long. And then you then you watch it and it's like, holy shit, this rough is thick. And it's and it's it's just a it's a mess. And um I thought it was brilliant also by uh Luke Donald to start with foursomes. because uh, the cause the home team gets to not only set up the course, they and the, they set up, you know, what you want to do first, four ball or foursomes. And yeah. I thought that was that was brilliant to bring a bunch of rusty U.S. guys who haven't played in five weeks and make them go out and do alternate shot right away. Um, 
Yeah, I so thought, that was big too. I was going to say this. Um, so Kyle Porter went on to write an article saying, you know, the fact that the writer, the Europe has guys from nine different nations playing together. And, and basically, why are they tighter than the Americans who are in one country? Then use golf facts, if you don't know, as Justine Reed responds. Yeah. Says, yep. You know, the European, Europe covers about 4.1 square, you know, something square kilometers. USA covers 9.8. So she's basically trying to say the United States is a lot wider. And she would say, and I said, Anne, what does that mean? Because I responded to her. I'm like, so what? She goes, well, I'd expect the more diverse population to cover the greater land mass. So she says, of course, their team is more united. They grew up in each other's backyards. Meanwhile, Homer and Brooks grew up 2,700 miles apart. Oh, my God. Like, well, like really, like, well, uh, that's hold on. Hold on. So, so Florida, so Florida, and California, like two opposites. Come on. Yeah, but like, okay, that's the dumbest comment ever. Like, even though, even the, even the guys who are like from England, they're not neighbors growing up. They're it's like <laughs> they were almost neighbors at uh, nineteen forty three. I said, according to you, then Antarctica is more diverse than Europe. Because yeah, the- yeah, it's like. It's like when you get into it, politics. It probably as about... as a percentage, it probably is because every nation is represented in the Antarctic, and there is no <laughs> land rights. It's like it's like so, in yes. politics when you get into uh, electoral college and people want to look at the map of certain colors, and it's like, yeah, nobody lives in Wyoming or Montana. It's just a big space. Yeah. Like, nothing's going on. Well, yeah. There. So they so they won't be able to connect with you know Southern California. Like, I was a hey, big man. fan of hey, I dude. was a big fan of of Club Pro guys posting today that just said. Yeah, Europe should win. They have fifty countries combined, like like fifty countries. We have one. <laughs> <laughs> and this kid goes response. He goes, "Yes, yes, yes. I remember well. I remember as a kid hopping over the fence to play with a friend in Poland, and then I walked down the street to see my mate from Northern Finland, and then going to Southern Spain with my mate from the west coast of Scotland. Those were the happy days. It 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 is ignorant though to think that they can't move very freely. I mean, it's it, it, as the EU became well, one, you right? Have, you, you no you longer have you want. yeah yeah. So the, I, it's an ignorant comment because that's like, I mean, I've gone to California twice i've been to florida four times you know i've been to texas three times we're talking about trips that in fairness to the first person are going to be longer for me to go there than you to just fly up to finland i mean your whole your whole area is the size of a shopping mall guys you've been battling over this for thousands and thousands of years and you still can't figure out the borders according to russia so it's Everybody else has figured out the. Everybody else has figured out the borders. Vladimir Putin just hasn't. Let Russia into the uh, the Ryder. Let Russia into the Ryder Cup, and we'll have our problem solved. All right, there we go. Wow. Best take of this whole podcast. Oh my god. Okay, so let's, let's, let's look forward here. That's what I'm saying. Let's put a bow in this by talking about Beth Page. Like in, Beth in, Page Black. Okay. Who's going to be um, captain? Start with that. I've got my vote. What do you guys want? Oh, I'm going to tell you right now, Tiger. Make him captain right now. And here's my, here's why. Are you going to say something different? Boo Weekly. No, oh my God. Boo Weekly. Okay. <laughs> Come on. So, okay. Why? What do you I mean? think, um, I ride his golf club after he hits a sweet iron shot. That's I, don't, a- <laughs> I don't know. John Daly. John Daly. What are we doing? You know, it's the oh, easiest pick. John Daly never, want, never played the Ryder Cup. I don't want to shuffle through another round of the guys that have been just like, don't give me Stuart Sink. Nope. 
me freaking nope. anybody else. John, John Daly could throw a dart drunk at a dartboard of names and pick up better pairings than Jack Johnson. John so they're playing the Ryder Cup, though. It's got to be. It doesn't matter. It does. He's matter. a. Boo Weekly's playing think, the Ryder Cup. He has. Boo okay. Has, yeah. Think about the good fashion when loudmouth well, golf does the pants never, and shirts for the Ryder Cup. We're gonna have camouflage on. Like we'll have camo camo uniforms from the United I've, States. Weekly, I, I mean, we did have we had camo in 2016. So, okay. here's why I say Tiger. Um, and, and again, this is the this is the low hanging fruit. Tiger is the 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 lowest of low hanging fruit here, but I have a reason for this. I know Zach Johnson was buddies with all of these guys, but I don't know if if anybody truly respected or they probably all respected him but like when zach johnson clearly by listening to him talk on tv does not command the room like no one get, i could see zach johnson just trying to give the pep talk talking and nobody paying attention to him everybody's on their phone whatever and all this shit tiger woods commands the room like if if you don't listen to tiger woods you are fucking out of your mind like and not only does tiger command the room and everybody respects him, and everybody knows how a, a competitor he is. Even though he didn't have a great Ryder Cup record, um, he also, from all accounts, in at Whistling Straits and at Hazel Team, was highly involved in the in the process of picking players, setting up lineups, and all of the analytics. From from all accounts, like that's his thing, and that is where Zach Johnson swung and missed so badly it was it, you know bad and then you know, and the reason i say tiger is is this i'm thinking ahead farther than 2025 you throw him out there and or you throw him out there at beth page and we win on the home soil because you know the last five Ryder cups they've all been like this one in rome where it's like a five point the home team's blowing them out now we, we got to get to some of the european youngsters that are coming that might make that different but um then you just, if you win at Beth Page, you just hang on to Tiger till Adair Manor in 2027. And you go with Tiger for two years in a row. Because I think Tiger Woods would relish the idea of being the guy who got the win as captain for the first time in what will be 34 years. I think that's something that would get his competitive juices flowing. Um, and he would go that next step. And And here's the other thing. Let's say there's still a five week gap, but you know, four years from now, do you think if Tiger Woods called up the 12 guys and said, you're playing and whatever, they're going to say no to Tiger Woods. No way. There's absolutely no way they will do whatever Tiger Woods tells them to, because they, they all know he's the greatest. It's, it's kind of like, like the Europeans look up to Seve and, and, and the Europeans can tell you about Nick Faldo and can any of these U S guys tell you about any Ryder cuppers, post or pre tiger and phil nobody knows they they probably don't even know what the war at the shore you know in some of these great rider cup events were at the belfry they don't know any of that but they know tiger woods and they know he's the goat and i think they would all respect him and i think he would do a very good job with analytics and all of that stuff and getting things set up uh, to put them at least in the best chance to win that's my thinking it i guess with that tiger does not get selected who do you else what are their options justin leonard i mean who else do you have yeah justin leonard it's always like it's always like some vice like stewart sink was a vice captain this time so it's always some of that kind of crap you know i don't think freddie couples ever has ever been a captain for the Ryder cup he's been the president's cup 
then he's going to turn around and get Jim Furyk and all these. I guys. know. I just like I want I want, want Tiger, and I just and I don't I don't know. I think Phil has burned too many bridges to even be an assistant captain. But I actually do think that if he hasn't, and by and by twenty twenty five, if he has somehow fixed his image. And you took Tiger as a captain. I don't think Tiger and Phil get along necessarily. So I don't think this would ever happen. But Phil would give you that more personable guy. You know, like Tiger's not that personable. Yeah. Phil would give you that kind of guy that's more buddy-buddy with the players. I think Tiger is with a few of the guys. And 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 Phil would play well in New York because the New York fans always love Phil. But I think Tiger Woods would command respect, respect, and he would have the room. And I also think Tiger Woods would not be afraid to change if something's not going well. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't think like everything Zach Johnson said was like off putting on TV. It just, nothing sounded good. I I, I don't know. I, there's no, there's not any other options besides. I can that I can think of. Dude, just buck up and play better. Playing like, yeah. let's go. Yeah. Tiger would say, Tiger would say that. I think he would. So you need that. Either so- that or you go, either that or you go back to the well, to Steve Stricker, what worked last time, you know, I, you know, that's, I don't know, but. Um, I don't see does Beth Page Black set up well for the United States team. That's my thing. Like here's what here's what I was going to ask you guys. I think if you think about looking into the team, you know, I when I looked at the roster and I kind of looked at, ahead to who I think, I think there's these guys. I think will be on the team. I don't unless you know, mates outside of injury. Um, I think you're going to have Scotty. I think you're going to have Cantley. I think you have Xander. I think you have Max. I think you have Colin Morikawa. Yep. I think Cam Young is going to make a strong push here over the next two years. Yeah. To show that he should be on it. And then and then if, if Tiger especially is that you're gonna have JT. Yep. And then the hope the hope the hope is that JT and Speeth can refine their games because they both like they bring that X factor of enthusiasm and stuff when they're playing well. You know, like like Speeth was terrible. JT tried. Um and Brooks get me not was the was a major winner there last right. Brooks was, but I think the setup will be interesting to me because you know the reputation of the golf course is a big ball, a big boy course with really thick rough, long holes where you got to hit long irons in. Does that sound familiar to something we just watched? It's like it sounds like what, how this course was set up for the Europeans. We want them to hit long irons in and thick rough. So I, better greens though. Yeah, fl- very flat greens. So, so I'm, I'm putting is better for the U.S. I'm guessing that the setup will be much like Hazeltine, where at Hazeltine, they grew the rough up thick uh, up to a certain point at about 290 yards where you had to carry a bunker. And then the, on the other side of that bunker, the rough wasn't as thick because the U.S. had the bombers. You know, they had they had DJ and Bryson and Brooks. So we were carrying all those bunkers into thinner rough than the Europeans were laying back trying to stay in the fairway. You know, because that's the that's the benefit of um, being the home team. You get it set up, which there's been actually a lot of talk this week about should a third party set the golf courses up. No, you know, absolutely. I don't think not. so. I don't think so either. I I like I like that the home team gets set up, but the last five have been non-competitive. They have not been close. They've all been blowouts. Um, they've all been five points or higher. I just find it so bizarre why somebody can't go in and just get a W every once in a while. Like I know Medina and that was pretty much a miracle, right? The miracle of Medina. Yeah. I was yeah. going to ask. All right. So you've got those guys. 
guys that I think could be on the fence, uh, you know, can speed find his game. I mean, is he going to, he's still number something in the world, like 10 or 12 or something like that. Can Keegan, you know, he's a big Northeast guy, you know, can he find a way you got, um, you know, Wyndham's still 10th in the world. You got Zalatoris. Yeah. Needs to be healthy. You know, can he be healthy? You know, Sahith, we talked about him, you know, before uh, you've got, you know, Wyndham, obviously, uh, I think I already said him, Sam Burns and Finau. Finau will be older. I mean, there's a lot of these names in there that are kind of recycled, but you've got. You know, Dustin like, Johnson. Yeah, he, he'll be really Dustin old Johnson. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because who's his father-in-law and where are we playing? <laughs> Gretzky. Like, think about that turnout. Think about the Gretzky jerseys that he are out. Like, he, he played like two years for the Rangers, man. He was at LA King and Edmonton Oilers. And that's we remember him for the Rangers. All right. Everyone do, remembers him for the Rangers. I do think um one guy we left off that Bryson had more form coming into this Ryder Cup than any of the other guys. So, you know, maybe he'll be back in the mix too. I just think like the whole idea of guys not fitting in the locker room is if anything this team proved, that's bullshit. Who cares? Like this was the team of all the buddies. We're so cohesive and we're this cohesive unit and all that stuff. Like that matters to some extent, but it's a lot of bullshit talk too. Like just get guys out there and, and like, and make them pair up the way that should be like the Europeans do. And they'll figure out how to get along, you know, while they're doing it, I would think, but the Europeans don't think that way. I was talking about Bryson, you know, being on this team with a buddy. He made a good point. You know, Bryson, if he's playing well, probably should be on there. The only problem with Bryson is his bad is bad. Very bad. Yeah. You know, he's got a really he's got a really high ceiling, but he's got a really low floor. And I think we God, got I know that. <laughs> yeah, we got Speeth, you know, Speeth and has shown that he's got a really low floor when he's not playing well. Um well I mean, most of our team this week was was pretty much, you know, not playing well. We need more guys that have that ability that to be consistent to be, you know, get, if you're good at this, you got to give us this. If you if you can drive the ball, we need your driving. We can't have you all over the place. But then and you got to pair them. But then you got to pair them properly with somebody. You know, like we didn't pair them. We did, we did a terrible job. But yeah. So that's yeah. the only thing. And I was actually watching a Bracing video. He's got a, a match with him and Bubba, and, and so he chunked. He was a 215 yard shot. He chunked it and had 45. He shot the pin 45 yards further to the pin on a par three. Then one other par three is 190 yards. He pulled it so far left, I could not believe that's where he, <laughs> well, he's got those just random, bizarre, out of the out of the wild shots that he can have that you just can't have under pressure, but yet he can just go out and shoot a 58. I mean, it's like he's got that tremendous ceiling. Um, so I don't know. But I, I can think... he be rattled too. Remember the US Open? We got rattled. Yeah. I, I think what's most concerning for me, and again, I think no matter who the U S throws out there in two years, they're going to be the favorite. They should be because just look at history. Like the home team has been crushing this thing, but the European team has got, has kids coming in the pipeline and younger guys coming that have a lot more promise possibly than the U S guys do. You know, you look at Rory's going to be there. Hatton probably going to be there. Victor Fleetwood, Rom Ludwig, uh, Matt Fitzpatrick probably, Sepp Straka probably. You know, I don't know what what I don't know about Lowry and Rose. Probably Lowry's not that old. And then you got the Hoygards, both of them. You got Nikolai played, didn't play great, but made eight birdies the one run. His brother was there the whole time, like with the team, you know, 
hanging out. His brother actually for mo- most of their career has been better. Then you got ACDC, Dave Shazart, who's a stud on the, the guy on the corn ferry who literally like played eight corn ferry events and has blitzed everybody in guys tour card. He's a stud. He's you known got, as ACDC. Huh? He's known as ACDC. Is that what he's known as? Yeah. His name is, is that's his, that's his, Back to Europe. And all of a sudden you just put thunderstruck on before. He that's te- his, uh, that's his initials. Yeah. And then, and um, you get some thunderstruck when he gets announced. I mean, that would just get my juices just flowing. Yeah. That's his initials. <laughs> and then you think, you know, you look at some of the other guys they got Alex Fitzpatrick played really well at the, at the open championship. And so they have some guys coming that I don't know other than Sahith and, you know, a few guys that are a little bit younger for the U S I don't know if we have that. We have kind of a weird gap between guys. What that are like What's that guy's name? Who? Bjorn Bjorn Olsen or what's that? Oh, what's Matt, that? Michael Thorbjornson. Yeah. Yeah. And get Gordon Sargent, you know, but, but this is where the Euros did a good job of throwing some young guys in and getting them some experience, you know, like, are you going to throw a, 22 year old out there at Beth Page in New York. I don't know. Well, we got to show Speaking of that, how crazy, like, you think it was crazy at Whistling Straits or Hazeltine or, or Paris or Italy. How nuts are the crowds going to be in New York City? Like, it is going to be wild. It's going to be crazy. Yeah, we'll have to get there. Well, if you stuck around, we got a story for you. So, well, God, <laughs> yeah, we do around this podcast for that long. Congrats, you get to hear your reward is getting come <laughs> this weekend. Believe me, it's a, it's a great story. Thank you for listening because we got a treat for you, Tim. Take it away. I wasn't there. You guys were up at the cabin. This weekend. <laughs> oh my God! Um, shout out to I don't, one. I don't, I don't know how to even even begin this by saying. Uh, uh, Thank you for for staying on this long. Maybe we'll make this a segment. I have a lot of stories. So (laughs) maybe this is how we get the listeners to stay all the way to the end. But the first thing you have to know about this weekend is that, yes, Mike was correct. I was flaring wedges. And because of that, it was like every flag was red, including myself. So I guess this this story starts on, on, I guess, Friday when I had this bad feeling I was going to get stood up for a date. And I start to make plans with Mike to go up to the Detroit Lakes region just to play some golf. And lo and behold, I send out confirmation that I bought tickets for the date. She said, actually, I see too many red flags in you. Um, I don't this think is from we're a dating, a this is from a dating app, right? Dating app, correct? Oh, unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> uh, I've since deleted them. It's been, don't do it, folks. Just play golf. Um, regardless. So she cancels the date. I say, hey, Mike, that's that's great. I, I'm i going to go up and, and play with you just as anticipated. We already made these plans now. Uh, let's go play some golf on, on late Friday afternoon on the way up. We are playing Greystone, and I get a text message like, oh, can we still go on our date? Well, no, I'm two and a half hours away already. Well, I really need a hug. So <laughs> is that in quotes or is that really a hug? I, I, you know, it's hard to say. I have found that I have no idea what the English language means at all anymore. Um, (laughs) So I am talking this, this nice woman who called me a red flag out of coming to two and a half hours north because we're going further north. Hey, don't come. Uh, No, that's going to use up, you know, part of your, 
your additional stipend money you made of picking up X, Y, and Z shifts, you know, I really don't think it's smart. Hey, maybe we can just chat on the phone. Heard FaceTime helps in these situations. Something bad happened to her life. Anyway, she decides that she needs a hug. I, hmm. The rest is just a bunch of bad news and, you know, bless, bless her heart. She's going to have to go through a little bit, but she did not make the drive all the way up. Um, not for me being able to necessarily stop the situation after my, my, my attempts, but uh, more from the police. <laughs> bad boys, bad boys. Oh yeah. So Anyway, I had a wonderful weekend, um, <laughs> stress-free as as could be, I, um, minus minus looking around in 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 various various jails. Minus the DUI for the uh, gal you've literally never physically met. <laughs> you know, my heart goes out though. Uh, I'm I'm sure I'm sure she might be angry at the story. No names were used and no specifics were added. Yeah, I want all the listeners to know. Especially if you're a, if um, she was willing to risk it all to come see. Risk it all, risk it, risk it all. She she heard about my stroke play victory on yeah. Sunday yeah, at Wildflower, Wildflower, which I started out birdie birdie to start and thought that we were going to be on an epic tear at Wildflower, but match players still got the win. Uh, and that's what I was going to get at for the listeners who have had to listen <laughs> to Tim talk about how he's the best player on this podcast, blah blah blah, in September. In he September. Closed, September came in like a lion and it left like a lamb because he got pumped like the American team at, at Pearl Lakeside and at Greystone and at Wildflower. Not a single match made to the 17th hole, folks. <laughs> you know, Mike, as a quote-unquote historian, uh, <laughs> Sunday was the first. I barely got pumped in September. I think we uh, finished all squared up at uh, victories there. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Uh, which Pearl means, Lakeside, which means... Like I'm down one in match, but up one in stroke play to you in October. So we all know that we'll call it a wash. Play is the real, real golf, not stroke play. Um, we I liked. What do you think of Pearl Lakeside, Timmy? Quickly, it was it was a a little narrow. I mean, we it, fortunately for both of us, we got the routing initially wrong. Yeah, we played um, two practice holes. Little bonus golf, you know, little free golf when you miss the right hole, put it on the wrong wrong scorecard, and have to go swirl it back around, but. I thought, I thought it was a, a fairly pleasant place to play. The greens were were rolling wonderfully. They seemed really true. Um, the grass quality was surprisingly good for when we were playing it in the season. Uh, yeah, it was it was all in all kind of one of those Joel Goldstrand signature courses, yeah. right? A little bit of dog leg, a little bit of elevation change, bunkers that are spaced ever too far away from the green, but still find your golf ball. Yeah, and then Wildflower is good too. Was it like or is it a little bit better than you thought? Wildflower? Yeah. I well, I I had played Wildflower a long time ago. You know, I didn't. I remembered some of the holes. Um. Yeah, I like Wildflower. You know, I'm, the, my fiance's cabin is literally like two minutes away. All this time, I haven't been out there. Um. I love I love the open links holes of Wildflower. I wish. I wish they would take a take a chainsaw to the rest of the trees. Mike believes in no trees. He is no, he I is mean, not an environmentalist, folks. He it's, wants it's not the trees that I don't dead. like trees. Every I, tree must die. I, I like a golf course where the identity is like it's one of those golf courses where it's like it's like some open holes, some 
I like it where you have the chewy because it's got it's wildflowers fun, great value, great value if you're up there. Um, and the lynx holes are awesome, but it has it has great land, like tons, like it's got holes where it goes up and down hills. Um, and even the holes with trees, you know, if they cleared them all out, have great land and, and undulations and <laughs> but yeah, not no, a single wild, one left. Wildflowers great, they were great to us out there. Um, for sure go play that one if you're up there because yeah, that's fun. Okay. Well, I've got my Ryder Cup of Victory Links this week, so I'm trying to take all this stuff that we just talked about with my team. Channel it. Business, trying to get all the things together. We're going to eat breakfast as a team the day before, you know, the day of. There's a lot that's trying to go into the, making this, you know, trying to retain the cup. So we're going to try to take all the advice that we just basically ripped on Zach Johnson for and see if we can see if we can uh, get a W here. So. I think you should wear the Luke Donald visor, which isn't the cool tour visor. It's like the it's like the more of like the uh the you know softball coach visor. It's it's I don't I don't I don't get it, but uh, we left drop in some degrees. So I think I I have the ultimate solution. If you've ever watched uh, Space Jam, you take some of those pills you take every day, Jeff, and you put those into a little bit of special stuff water and yeah. you hand that out to the team. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they gotta start doing zins. There you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Team America's on the zin. Get them, get them going. Get them going. Um, before we leave, though, we got there's one shout out in the golf world we got to do. Sanjay M. and Siwoo Kim with a maybe the largest win of their careers when you realize what was on the line for them because they won the like the, all of the Asian countries had like almost like an Olympics for golf. Like every country had like two man teams or whatever. And Sun JM and Siwoo Kim won, which gets them out of their mandatory 21 month military military that they would have had to do here soon in South Korea. And now they don't have to do it because they, this win got them out of that. So possibly a bigger win than uh, the Ryder cup for Europe was, was those two getting out of military service. So I can just come play golf. They had huge ass smiles. You could just tell when they won. Yeah. <laughs> Cause think about that. Remember, uh, remember saying moon was a same moon Bay. Yeah. Same. Where who was playing well. And then all of a sudden he went and did his, he went and did his, his mandatory military. You never heard from him again, like in the golf world. Yeah. So, all right. Well, anything else boys, as we wrap up, um, you know, another Ryder Cup, and hopefully in 2025 we uh, we get to talk about a, a USA victory. And we got, yeah, hopefully we got multiple articles on uh, Substack out um, on our Minnesota. I just posted mine today, part one. I had to put it in the two parts because it was too long. So uh, part one, it's got Bemidji and Alexandria. Tim's got Century World coming. You got anything in the hopper there, Jeff? We'll be working on that the distance one. Yeah. I might be. I might do another one too. On, I was kind of thinking of this. Um, you know, now that the Ryder Cup's over, and we just kind of reflect on the golf year, just kind of a, a year of reflection or something like that, that you can kind of write about things that you picked up on or learned for the year. I like I like doing those more sentimental, sentiment. I don't know what word I'm looking sentimental? for. Sentimental, sentimental kind of yeah, words, that kind of get more of the feelings and the deep, you know, that kind of thing. So I might do one of those. So. And uh, Tim and I played the Joel Goldstrand courses this this week, which is a good segue into Tim's interview with um, Mason. Uh, good, good walk, Mason. Mason, Mason good off walk of spoiled. a good walk spoiled. And folks, if you're you're still with us, thank you. It, you really had a gem earlier tonight, and I'm surprised you haven't signed off after really disliking me after that story. <laughs> but if you're still here, we have, I have a wonderful interview coming out with a good walk spoiled. 
here, uh, Mike, whenever it goes up Thursday, what do you think? Thursday, Thursday is fine. Yeah. We'll throw yeah. Out Thursday. Yeah. Um, a good walk spoiled is on YouTube. So check him out. Uh, we may link to some of his stuff through Substack as well with, uh, an article coming out on some of the hidden gems of Minnesota, which will feature a gold strand as it should. In addition to that, I have some more news again. Good story, not a bad story. Here for the positives. Uh, headed to French Lick this weekend in, in southern Indiana. And as we all watch this tree map and some of the leaves migrate south and color change, French Lick is going to be perfect here in about a week, week and a half, two weeks. So we'll have some information up on that, including where to go, what to eat. Not always just a burger in town, Mike. Sometimes somewhere nicer. Nope, uh, no, you won't find. I've been to. Fr- I have been to French Lick. First of all, it's a dump, but it's the it home is not. Dude, this place is beautiful. Your place, the resort, is beautiful. I know, but the home of Larry Bird. That's how I was there. You, uh, you can dress like Jackie Moon, aka Larry Bird, when you're yeah, there. When you, you need to go. I guarantee you, a hole in the wall in French Lick, Indiana, is better food than some Michelin bullshit that you always want to go to. Um, I do. Do you want the Larry Bird socks? I, I'll borrow them to you. I'll wash them and borrow them to you. Larry Legend socks. I'm going to be honest, Mike, with calves like that. They're all stretched out. It's probably, yeah. <laughs> I get, I'll give them to the Tim. You'd look more like Pistol Pete. He'd have the floppy socks down. <laughs> the floppy socks down. It looks like Jim Carrey from uh, when he's running the killers. Ca- cable We're guy. We're doing such a good outro here. We're doing like a whole system of outro. And here we are. <laughs> so, all right. But, but watch, for, watch for some French lick content. And uh, I bought a drone and I am bad at technology so it doesn't work get, yet we couldn't get the drone working this weekend we were planning good testing, lord it didn't work. Oh, i thought it was going to go through the bay window there's <laughs> <laughs> everybody difference between 79 and 80 is everything maybe today's the day i brigade thee. want the ball to draw but it keeps on fading no ob and no bogeys i gotta keep it on the 80 is the gold Where you hit it on one Straight up the gut, baby. Now I got a wedge on my short game cravings. Little bit of edge on the sport makes gravy. So punch out the rough and tune to break 80. Break 80. Break 80. Break 80.